Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're on the Airwaves to talk about the importance of fleet training and why the right training at the right time is so important. Joining us today are Captain Tim Hill, Commanding Officer of the Naval Air Warfare Center Training Systems Division, and Captain Furman Espinoza, Military Deputy Director for Surface Training Systems. Thank you both for joining us. So today we're going to discuss a real-world example of how the training that NOC-TSD develops and provides the fleet helped the Navy avoid potential disaster. It's an event that made national headlines, a near-miss between USS Chancellorsville and a Russian vessel. Captain Hill, can you tell us a bit about it? Sure. During routine operations, one of our uh, ships, as you mentioned, USS Chancellorville, uh, was approached very cl- uh, closely by a Russian uh, war be- vessel as well. And so they basically uh, relied on some training that, that we had provided via our team's normal products and via some contract uh, instructional support to, to act quickly and decisively to prevent the collision. We had some great feedback from the, uh, the individuals on this ship that, that basically told us about how they had practiced the maneuver they used to avoid that collision in the simulator on multiple occasions before the, uh, the incident in a slightly different context, but in a way that they could apply it to this situation. And they knew exactly what to do. And they also understood the time criticality of uh, what they needed to do to the point that people were running across the bridge to help others out to, uh, to take action in a, in a timely fashion. That's certainly the type of feedback you want to receive from the fleet. So what part did training enabled by NOC TSD play in helping the crew make the necessary decisions to avoid the collision? Prior to this incident, they had actually practiced a maneuver where, you know, when you're doing an underway replenishment, you're actually connected to another ship. One of the things that they had practiced is, uh, is to see how the ship would respond if they were to go into an all-back uh, full, in other words, basically push, putting propulsion in reverse and seeing how that the ship responded when they were that close to a ship. When they had that incident with the Russian uh, vessel, they actually did exactly what they had done in the trainer when they were uh, practicing their their underway replenishment. And so it was it was nice to see that the efforts that we do here at NOC TSD with regards to the readiness of, 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 our, of our ships out there or the experience they were able to draw from in the trainer was, uh, was very valuable for them in, in, the, in the real world. So I think uh, the, the fact that we, uh, for years now, we've been, uh, we've been res- the responsible organization that puts these systems together or contracts for these systems to be put together is, uh, you know, in a, in a roundabout fashion, you know, our expertise here, we are a full-service training uh, organization. So everything from uh, requirements, uh, identif- you, know, uh, you know, interpretation, the requirements, putting, putting technology or a, a solution set for the fleet, all the way out to uh, contracting for instructors, and as well as overseeing installation, I mean, this is one of the beauties of, of, of this command here in, in Orlando is that we are a full service uh, from, from, from tooth to tail. So I want to talk a bit more about the technology itself. What is NSST and why was it developed? So NSST stands for Navigation, Seamanship, and Ship Handling Trainer. And so, you know, the, the actual system is to, to do those things, ship handling and, and uh, seamanship training. 
here in the uh, in the recent, you know, in the last two years, uh, two years ago, there were some some collisions from destroyers. At the same time, uh, we were in the middle of, of awarding the next generation, which we call the INSST, awarding that contract. And when those collisions happened, one of the things that we had to take pause with is to determine whether we had to modify that contract to ensure we captured any requirements that might have come up from the comprehensive review or from some of the findings with those collisions. The team that was here working with the stakeholders, fleet stakeholders, had been very forward-thinking about, uh, about things that the next generation of trainers would require. And a lot of that forward-thinking actually fit, uh, dovetailed very well into the findings from the comprehensive review. And the beauty of this next generation is that uh, we've taken into account the team, the, an expanded team capability where you where you are taking the, uh, the, the, the bridge team, the, the bridge watchstanders, and also incorporating a combat information center team because they, they control the radars, they monitor the radar picture, and they are providing a sense of understanding, a situational awareness for the bridge team as we navigate uh, either in, in, in close quarters as we're coming in the channel or in open ocean. So this trainer will expand the, the capability from individual training all the way out to uh, integrated training uh, between the bridge and, and the um, the bridge and, and the CIC team. When it comes to using simulators for training, I know there's always a push to, to make them seem real. So what is being done to enable that? Yeah, you're right. There's there's always a push to make them to seem seem real, but the uh, the important thing to recognize is that we want to get the appropriate realism for what we're trying to do uh, out there with that training. In some cases, that's going to be a very immersive simulator, such as like what we use in uh, naval aviation, uh, the the standard uh, tactical operational flight trainer that that you know has a full 360 degree cockpit view and all the right real hardware and that sort of thing. In other places, it's a part task trainer that has just a piece of the airplane or a piece of the maintenance. Uh, uh, kit that you're looking for. And in other times, it's going to be just some PowerPoint uh, because that's enough to do what we're trying to do with uh, that. And so uh, how do we do that? Really, uh, we rely on our uh, researchers and our scientists here to do some of the upfront analysis, uh, what we call a front-end analysis of the, uh, the training that needs to be done relative to the, uh, the, the skills that we want to uh, obtain there. You know, because if you think about it, in, uh, in, in gross terms, in a lot of cases, we're bringing 17, 18-year-old people in that don't have any skills in the operational environment and building them up from nothing. And we kind of need to understand what it is that they need to learn to do and how, and how well they have to do it. And then we can dial in the appropriate device and the appropriate realness for that. Certainly, uh, we're moving towards higher fidelity uh, devices. Uh, a lot of folks see a lot of virtual reality, those sorts of things put in there, things that mimic the real world more and more. And especially in the cases where we're training for the high-end fight now, where we really have to get out and, and measure and be able to simulate the highest end of our capabilities in the most complex environments. We're working towards more interoperability so we can train the way we fight you know, across platforms and in teams. Uh, because at the end of the day, that is how we operate out there. So how is NOC-TSD answering the call to provide more effective training? So uh, I mentioned earlier the, uh, the, the front-end analysis, uh, which really relies on our engineers and the science of learning to make sure that we're doing what's effective for the training objective. So that's always going to be a, a very basic tenet of how we provide effective training to the fleet. 
But where, where we're really trying to concentrate now beyond that is the ability to leverage commercial technology, such as a gaming technology. Our command is trying really hard to stay abreast and on top of the leading edge of uh, technology as well so that we can understand when it's appropriate to uh, inject that technology into training. And, and some examples of that would be you know, where we're watching what's going on with virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, the, those different delivery methods and uh, modalities to understand where it's appropriate to use those and uh, what training can be accomplished there. And in some cases, we've deployed that those uh, modalities to train already. We've gotten involved with uh, enterprise data analytics, the, uh, the big data per se, to understand how we can use that to track major trends in training across the entire fleet and, and uh, against the individual to start to tailor the training to the needs of the fleet or to the needs of the individual. And it shouldn't be an or, that should be an and, the needs of the individual, because both are important. So embracing that technology and incorporating that in the right way is a big thing we're doing to uh, ensure effective training is out there for the fleet. So it sounds like a lot of exciting stuff going on at NOCTSD. Absolutely. So why is it so important to ensure our sailors and Marines have the right training at the right time? Well, so fundamentally, you know, at, at a basic level, the, the training that we do in the fleet is what generates the readiness to deploy, you know, the ability to, you know, air quote, fight tonight, as we uh, talk about. So it's basically the concept of taking what we have and the people we have and, and doing whatever we're called to do at a moment's notice uh, to protect the country. At a, at a deeper level, it, it goes to the proficiency of the skills that you need to have, the understanding of, of just being able to be on a STEM power as it was, to do the right thing at the right time without really having to think about it. But on another level, it's also a risk reducer to the ops that we do out there. You know, by, by definition, the operations that we do in the fleet are dangerous operations. I think anybody would agree that flying an airplane off a flight deck is a dangerous thing to do. Working on the flight deck is a dangerous thing to do. So that training that we do are things that reduces the risk of those things and make sure that people understand and have the right habit patterns before they're in that uh, risky environment. So earlier you mentioned uh, those complex training environments, those different training environments. Why do you think there's been an increased emphasis on training across the fleet? So that increased emphasis on training across the fleet is exactly what you kind of talked about when connecting the dots to the high-end fight. The high-end fight is a much more complex flight. We uh, will exercise more of our missions. We'll stress more of our capabilities. We'll have a greater need for proficiency. Again, the, the margin for error is that much less in the high-end fight than it has been in, in the lower uh, in intensity conflicts that we've been dealing with for the past decade. And, and so certainly the what we're looking at now is as, as you put that stress on our capabilities, that stress on our people, the, the ability to give them repetitions and sets, you know, the reps and sets, as we call it, in, a, in the environment that they're going to be operating in is a valuable thing. And in a lot of cases, we can do that more effectively in the, in the simulated environment than we can in the real world because we can control that simulated environment. We can stop it and, and debrief something that went right or something that went wrong and then go and do it again to kind of reinforce doing it the right way all the time to, again, make it that much more of an easy thing to do when the, when the time comes to do it. You mentioned those simulators being able to, to use them any time of day, per se. What value does that bring to the fleet? So, so that's a huge value because, you know, time is precious in the fleet. Whether you're talking about a, a squadron that's back ashore getting ready to go on deployment or as we move and are, are able to do more and more training underway on deployment, 
you know, you don't get a chance always to, to pick your schedule. So when you can make the training available whenever and wherever we want to do it, then it makes it that much easier for the fleet to schedule that in and, and utilize limited time, not adversely impact uh, their operational tempo and, and such in order to be able to do it. It allows, you know, the potential for mission rehearsal down the road as well. Uh, as we get further down the line with uh, increasing the the bandwidth of our training systems out there. How does training, in your opinion, contribute to fleet readiness? So at a basic level for the folks that have been in the fleet before, you know, training generates readiness. If you're doing training the right way and in a quality way, it's really more than checks in the block to to get your, you know, your codes correct to go on deployment. It's really about obtaining proficiency. Like I mentioned before, in some cases, we're bringing 17-year-old people off the street straight out of high school or straight out of industry and and civilian life into the Navy and teaching them skill sets. We need them to be proficient. Uh, The same token goes that we're bringing folks back from, for instance, uh, staff duty. So you you may have a a young lieutenant that uh, has been at NAVAIR going through test pilot school, uh, doing flight tests in, in over at uh, VX-23 or one of the other tech, test squadrons, and he's getting ready to go back to the fleet as a lieutenant commander now uh, to be a squadron department head. He's going to fly the airplane very differently for that tour, so that training that he's going to go through is going to return his proficiency in those missions to them, so again, that he can be a, 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 the different sort of uh, pilot or air crew that he needs to be in order to go back and serve that role in the fleet. So these trainers provide a benefit no matter where you are in your career. Captain Espinoza, as a surface warfare officer with years of experience, how have trainers like the navigation team trainer helped you? You know, I'm a product of the navigation uh, team trainers. There's no, there's no substitute for actually having a ship with water running under the keel. However, what the trainer does is it gives the, the individual an understanding of how that ship responds based on the actions you take with that propulsion or or, you know, or the, or the rudder of that ship. And also what it allows you to do is, is while you're in the trainer, it allows you to stop the scenario so that the very experienced instructors uh, can come in and talk you through the actions you took and the response that the ship uh, made based on your, on your actions. So in that perspective, because we are pairing technology with very experienced instructors, it's, it's invaluable. And so that's, you know, an example of, of how this trainer, I can give you one other example. Uh, when I was in command, I took command of a, of a frigate, 29-year-old frigate, loved my frigate, but uh, took, her, took command of that, uh, of that frigate as we were coming out of the shipyard. And so there was one afternoon, actually one of my very first underways, where I was uh, backing the ship into the slip in San Diego, and the ship was just not responding the way it should respond. So the first thing I told my navigator once we were, once we were tied up is I, I, I told my navigator, I want you to get a hold of the, the simulator, the trainer, get the instructors there. On Monday, I'm going to take the bridge team, and we're going to go see what happened. So we go in the trainer, and as we're, as we're doing all the maneuvers that we had done the previous, all of a sudden, the ship's responding a little erratically to the point where the instructor, he comes in, he's like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but everything you, you did... The, the trainer shouldn't be responding this way. So he went back, he looked at his setup for his training for the scenario, and he noticed that the previous, um, the previous scenario had a propulsion casualty in it, previous to our coming there, and he had not cleared that propulsion ca- uh, casualty. And as soon as he removed that casualty from the scenario, we went back and redid it, 
and the uh, the ship responded exactly how we expected it to respond. So immediately, as a commanding officer, from that trainer, that that I knew that there was something wrong with my propulsion. It wasn't a screw up. It wasn't somebody did something wrong. It was actually there was something going on with my ship. I was able to use the trainer to to validate that we ha- we as a team had taken the right uh, the right action. So that's uh, two examples of how, in this case, the navigation trainer helps uh, people that are learning how to do do proper ship handling. And the third one that we gave early on is how a ship out there in real world with a Russian uh, ship uh, bearing down on them was able to take appropriate action with the confidence they, they, they needed to have in their ship and understood exactly how that ship was going to respond. I'm a strong believer in, in this simulator and a lot of the other simulators that we put out here, trainers that we put out here, uh, just because of, 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 of my experience. Captain Hill, what did it mean to you to hear directly from the fleet that training provided by NOC TSD is so effective? This is the, the best kind of fleet feedback that we can ever get. It's, it's direct feedback on a product that we put out in the field that did its job and did its job well. Uh, and so what makes me proud of the team is that, is that they created a quality product it was appropriate to the fleet needs, and, and fundamentally, it was embraced by the fleet. And, and that's always a big deal that, you know, if you can create the best thing in the world, but if the fleet doesn't use it, then it's really no good. The other part that goes with that that I, I don't want to, you know, undersell at all is we also provided via a contract vehicle quality instruction to that crew and, and quality instruction that taught them the, the maneuvers that they needed to, to know and be able to execute in order to avoid this. So, you know, bottom line, the plan that the team came up with for these trainers and what they were supposed to do for the fleet worked. And that, that's something to be really proud of. It certainly is. And I want to thank you both for being here today and sharing how NOC TSD is contributing to fleet readiness and ensuring the fleet has the right training at the right time. That's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.